Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast, bringing you news-making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal each and every Thursday. New episodes. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss one. And uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for downloading, streaming, available, of course, on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, We're going to bring you this week an interview that I did very recently on my SiriusXM radio show, Trunk Nation, with Tony Iommi. It is always a huge honor when you can get an artist of this stature on the show. I have uh, been fortunate enough to know Tony and do a lot with him over the decades, and it's always a treat when you make some time to talk with me In this case, he gave me an hour talking about the new reissue and remix of the Black Sabbath live album, Live Evil. And of course, we get into a lot of other stuff as well. As I tell you guys each and every week on the podcast, if you are in the U.S. and Canada, U.S. or Canada, I should say, and you're only listening to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny fraction of what I do on the radio live each and every day. So please join me for Trunk Nation Monday through Friday. Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103, or anytime on the Sirius XM app. We start live daily at 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. There's replays of the show every night at midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific, and full shows, audio, video, and more anytime on the Sirius XM app. Again, only gives you we only give you a little taste here on the podcast, but be sure to join me if you can get Sirius XM for the daily show. Hope you come on board. Without further ado... One of the icons, as I call him, the founding father of heavy music. The one and only Tony Iommi on this week's podcast. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. 
Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Tone, how are you, buddy? Hello, Eddie. I'm fine. Thanks very much. You? I'm good. I'm good. You know, summer has just started here, and, uh, you know, we're just kind of uh, hoping for some better weather, at least in the Northeast where I live. It's been quite rainy lately, but uh, nice to have the summer here, although it'll be over in a flash. Yet, Do you have any plans? Do you have any good stuff when uh, summer comes around? Um, yeah, I mean, we sort of come down to it. We've got a house, which I'm at now, uh, down by the sea. So we, we come down here for a few days every couple of weeks in the summer. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been nice. I mean, it's, weather's been great at the moment. But, again, yeah. England have had a lot of rain and then, <laughs> and then a lot of sun and then droughts, and we'll get everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No, no stranger to some rain there. Well, Tone, I appreciate you doing this because I know it is the evening there in, in England, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to check in. Um, of course, another great project to talk about here today, and that is the reissue and the remix of the Live Evil album. And I know when we spoke last, Tony, you were telling me that there was a lot of Sabbath reissue stuff coming down the line and stuff you were involved in and looking after. When did the idea, obviously it's it's celebrating 40 years remarkably since this came out, but when did the idea first come up to reissue this and more importantly, to remix it. Well, I've, I think Geezer and myself have never been happy with the of the mix, and uh, so that was the first thing to do. Really, is to get it remixed um, because obviously, when we when we actually recorded the, the the album in different cities, we'd done sort of in in in, um, uh, uh, in America, that it was. Um, it wasn't well recorded, and the sound was never good. It was, it was leaking into different mics. You know, guitar was coming through the drum mics, and it was, it was a, a bit of a disaster, really. So, uh, my idea, Angie's idea, we wanted to get the sound better if we could, you know, and get it get it remixed. And uh, so this came up a while back. I mean, uh, this was done many, many, many months months ago, really. You know, it's interesting because there was always been, there's always been so much made of the mix of Live Evil. You just touched on it yourself, but obviously it was a real touchstone in Ronnie leaving the band. Ronnie was out of the band before the record actually came out. And I know this is even touched on in the booklet to the reissue, but there was all these stories of who was sneaking into the studio, what have you, and then according to the booklet in this remix, it says that maybe all of that was nonsense and none of that was really happening. And the guy who was working on the record initially 
was just impaired or high or what have you and was like hallucinating the yeah. whole thing. So did could you provide now, 40 years later, some clarity on what actually went on back then? Do you know? <laughs> okay, even less clarity now, 40 years later. <laughs> um, well, you know, obviously uh, there's been a lot of years gone by and Ronnie and ourselves spoke when we got back together and, as you know, we, we got on great as, as time went on. And uh, this subject did come up again, and yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, apparently it was a load of nonsense. I mean, uh, when it was being mixed, I mean, we were told these stories, and, and Giza and I was were told that Ronnie was coming in the studio and, and changing all the sounds. Um, it was just very an awkward time for us because we were going through quite a few not very nice things at that time, and um, and to hear this, it was sort of angering us all really and it, it got to sort of separate the band basically so so did you the 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 original mix that came out when when it did come out ronnie's now gone he's off to to do dio there's you and geezer uh kind of quarterbacking this thing and the the record does come out and if i recall it did pretty well and it was pretty well received but obviously it was under uh you know strange circumstances did you feel at the time when the record initially came out that it, it you were unhappy with it right from the start in terms of sonically? Yeah, it was it was never right. I mean, it, we had problems with, uh, as I say, the leaking into into other mics from the guitar and, and drums leaking into something else. And, and it, in those days, it was difficult. I mean, obviously, later on when it was being remixed, you can do a lot more technical stuff to it you can you know there's there's a lot more opportunity to, to be able to pull things away and, and and tighten it up where in the days when we did that it was still on tape and you couldn't really mess around with it too much uh once it's there it's there and you had to sort of deal with what you got really um but of course when when davis started remixing it um it it mixed a track and then send it to me and I'd get back to him and we'd we'd talk about it and he I mean he had a problem trying to trying to separate sounds because as I say it was it was pretty horrendous really mm. well I, I think it's greatly improved I really do I love I mean it's it's there's seems to be a lot more bottom end to it I think Vinny's drums sound great the guitars I mean it's definitely definitely improved I believe over the original mix I mean, as a kid, when I got the original mix, I mean, I loved it just because I loved the band so much. But you, as you get older, you can definitely hear that that change. Tell tell me about the idea. Let's go back even a little further now. So it, it's amazing to me because, as we all know, the 70s were the era for live albums. They were like benchmark releases. In some cases, they broke the band and put the band on the map. And the double live record was the standard in the 70s. It's remarkable to me that Sabbath in the original lineup with Ozzy and Bill never did a proper live record. There was that live at last record, but I know that was, you know, that was shrouded in some drama as well. But why was it that Sabbath, one of the biggest bands of the 70s, never did a proper live record back then? You know, I don't really know. We tended to be working a lot and doing lots of shows, but we never ever did a live album and uh, I, I I couldn't tell you why it, it, it just 
Robbie at the time, the management we had and all the rest of it, he just wanted us to, to work and, and we never even got round to thinking of doing a live album. Because it's amazing when you think about it, this really was the first proper live Sabbath record and it was at the time with two what were viewed as new members, certainly Vinny coming in uh, during the Heaven and Hell tour and then Ronnie after two studio records. Um, You know, it's just it's just odd that it took that long, even listening to it back, listening to the remix the other day. I think it's in the middle of the song, Heaven and Hell, Ronnie's talking to the crowd and he says, by the way, you're being recorded and filmed because there's finally going to be a Sabbath live record. It was even said in that way just to like, because because I guess the fans were sort of clamoring at that point, right? Yeah, well, a lot of people had asked us why we'd never done a live album. And of course, and, uh, and with Ronnie, we were able to do a live album at, at that point. And uh, just, it's just a shame we, we didn't think about the actual recording side of it, you know. <laughs> Because basically we had somebody come in and just mic it up and off we went. There was no proper uh, sound checks or, or separation or anything, you know. It was, a, it was a bit of a shame, really, because it could have been so much a better sound from the off. But at least, you know, winds saved a lot of it and been able to pull things out of the bag. And then he'd send them to me and I'd say, well, yeah, that's that's a lot better, you know. What was the approach to going in to make this record, Tony? Did you, you guys, when you did this, you actually recorded a bunch of shows, right? But the record ended up actually being sourced from just uh, two primary shows. But you, you went and recorded a run of them, right? We didn't record that many. Um, <clears throat> I think we, there's only about three or four, but they, they, just were, they were even worse. You know, we, we had to try and pick the best parts, and uh, it was... It was really difficult, really difficult. And if only we'd have been more involved and been able to sort of say, I don't know why we didn't, but sort of say, well, because you're relying on other people uh, to, to record it and to tape it and make sure that's right. And, uh, and of course, when you get into the studio to listen to them, you think, oh, my God. Uh, and the engineer's going, oh, it's all leaking here and the drums are all over the all over the guitar mics or guitars or over the drum mics or, or whatever. Uh, it, it's so difficult. And, and in them days, you couldn't sort of separate it that well. As I say, it's only later on uh, with the technology that you can sort of do that better, really. Mm. Um, I'm lo- you know, so so I'm, I'm wondering about the set list when you guys went and started putting this together, because obviously you've got at this point, two records with Ronnie, two incredible records, which you want to showcase uh, heaven and hell and mob rules. But you also had, as I mentioned, there was never a proper Sabbath record with the Aussie material. So that's interspersed throughout as well. Um, Can you, you know, we know that, that later on, especially when you got together with Ronnie for the final time, Ronnie didn't sing any of the Aussie stuff. You guys didn't play any of that. But back then, with him being relatively new to the band and obviously two studio records, what was his what was his demeanor about singing the the older Sabbath stuff? Well, I mean, he, he knew when he came into the band that he'd he'd obviously have to sing some of the Sabbath stuff, and he was fine with it. It was good, and he'd done it. I think he'd done a great job of it. The way he, yes. he would put it over, Ronnie was very as you know, like very dramatic. You get very good at putting stuff over. And I thought he'd done a great 
job of what he, of the old stuff. But again, you know, everybody's always going to be familiar with what Ozzy did because that was the original, and it, it's it was so difficult for for Ron to come in and and jump in that place because he was. A, a, but he'd done a, a really good job of them, I thought. But but of course we had to do them, and and we liked to do them. When we liked, it was nice to hear a different version as well with him singing it. Um, but ultimately, we wanted to do our own thing, which we did in the end. You know, which was heaven and hell, and we played all the Dio with Sabbath stuff. Yeah, I I you know I always thought, and I I loved Ronnie's interpretations, if you will of the older stuff. And I love when I listen to this, I, I mean, I love the song black Sabbath. I mean, I love the way he sings that. I love the way he yeah. sings NIB war pigs. I mean, uh, again, Ozzy is, is unique to Ozzy and, and there's only one Ozzy. We know that, but I loved Ronnie. As you said, uh, there was a certain drama in the way he put those songs over and delivered them. And I, I always thought that that was like really, really great. I loved the way he tackled that material at that time. It's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm glad this record's getting another look because people who weren't around back then uh, to hear the, hear Ronnie's take on, on those songs, I think is really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, Ronnie, as you know, he always gave it all and he'd always do his best. And he, he was really particularly concerned that he would, you know, give it everything he got. And he always did. He's never, ever failed, Ronnie. He was absolutely a star, you know, tremendous singer. And he, he put these the old songs over in, in his way. And, uh, and of course, you know, it was, it, it, it was very difficult to be able to come in and, and follow Ozzy and be able to sing them, you know, here we are with a new singer and, and Ronnie's, I mean, to sing these, the old songs. But he was bloody good. Did you feel, Tony, that he had uh, increased confidence on this tour versus the original Heaven and Hell tour? Because I would think on the Heaven and Hell tour, he's he's really the new guy. He's really the guy right in the footsteps of Ozzy. Uh, he told me himself that it, it was rough sledding a little bit in the beginning where he would be getting the middle finger, where's Ozzy, all that stuff. Now, this record being recorded on the Mob Rules Tour, he's entrenched. He's got two studio records uh, under his belt already. Everybody knows he's the guy at that point. Uh, just from, from being on tour with him on that run, did you sense that there was a, a bet, a, more of a confidence about him and more of a, a, a presence about him in the band on the road? Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, once we'd recorded and and released Heaven and Hell, we knew we we loved it. It was it was different. It was something that we were offering that was I thought were great. And it, it took the next album really for Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie was seeing it on tour. He was seeing he was getting more and more uh, taken. But the, 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 you know, our fans were accepting him more, and it, it didn't take that long before we had a, you know, a, 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 all the audience back again. I mean, obviously, you're always going to get some that, that don't agree with it because that's the way it is. But we managed to maintain a lot of our original fans and uh, and they really took to Ronnie. Uh, and certainly the Mob Rules album, when that came out, Ronnie was very confident in that because he'd, he'd already sort of been able to establish himself with Heaven and Hell 
and the mob rules came out, and, and there it was. Talk a little bit about Vinny's performance because, man, again, I just listened to this remix, and I, I'll be honest with you, I listened to Mob Rules like crazy when it came out, but I hadn't listened to it in a while. So now that it's remixed, I spent some time listening to it the last few days, and um, my gosh, Vinny is a machine on this. I mean, he plays Thank so you, yeah. great. And, and that's oh. the other thing because Vinny's told me that himself that – when he initially joined, I mean, he joined midstream on the Heaven and Hell tour. He was literally thrown in as a kid and didn't even have all the material down. So I'm sure for Heaven and Hell, he was very much on that tour, getting his legs, working with you guys. Same deal with him, I would think, right? Now with Mob Rules, he's been around you a little bit. Him and Geezer much more locked in. He's feeling the old material. And of course, now he has a studio record in Mob Rules that he actually played on. So I would think that this was a real important period for Vinny gelling with you guys as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Vinny was such a great drummer. And he just added so much energy to the, to the songs. Um, and as we went on, you could feel him. He was, you know, he got he got a bigger key, got more drums, he got he got more confidence within the shows, and my God, he's a, he's a tremendous drummer, and he he, he would catch the things Geezer and I were playing, uh, and that's that's the essence of it. You've got to have, it's got to follow the guitar and the bass. You know, it has to follow, it has to be a unit, and Vinnie really stepped in there really well. And of course, after playing with us for a while, as you say, when we done Mob Rules, he was well up there. He knew exactly how we played and and where we sort of go to. Um, and he, he he was just perfect for that lineup. And, and Tony, the other thing too is there's over the years we've found that so many classic records that were done live from the seventies. Uh, it's revealed that, and even into the eighties, that it's revealed that a lot of those records weren't really truly live. There was a lot that was re-recorded. There was a lot of touch-up. There were a lot of fixes. In some cases, the only thing live is the audience track, <laughs> you know, the applause yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for Live Evil, did you guys go in and fix much, or was it pretty much, uh, you know, warts and all? Well, we, we, we fixed bits, but you couldn't fix much because, uh, as I said, there was that much leakage that you couldn't, if I wanted to redo the guitar, you couldn't pull the... If you pull the guitar out, you'd still hear it coming through the drum mics. So it'd be... You, you had to sort of take what, basically, what you got. I mean, I did try and put parts on, but it was it was very hard because it just... It was just that much coming through everything else that you couldn't really uh, get away with that, you know. Martin Birch, of course, did the uh, Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell. A legendary, uh, sadly passed away recently, but legendary guy. Was there thoughts of bringing him in to record the live record? It would have been nice to have Martin because he, he was there from the off with Ronnie uh, and us. Uh, but um, I don't think he was available at that time. I can't remember what he, I don't know if he was doing Iron Maiden or somebody. He was doing somebody else at the time. And um, I, I actually don't know how we ended up uh, using um, uh, who we did. I don't know how that happened, but I, 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 but I think Martin wasn't wasn't capable of doing it at that time. Yeah, you're, the, that timing would be right around the time he started up with Maiden, 
And of course, once he started with Maiden, he was basically another member of that band. He had done every record. So Rod, yes, Rod yeah. Smallwood and the boys may have had him fully locked down at that point already. Yeah, I, I would have thought so. I would have thought so. Um, and it was good, Martin. I mean, he obviously, he done his apprenticeship with us, with Ronnie as well, you know. So we went through the things together of building the, the sound. So Because he, he had to learn how Giza and I uh, and Ronnie and... and, and um, Bill played together, and he, he got the essence of it. You know, because he, 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 he'd always thought a bass sound as a, as just a a bass. And I and I used to say to Martin, "Well, you've got a he's, he's such a different bass player. His 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 power, his style, the, the way uh, he, he just needed to, to come out that sort of uh, aggression in his playing." And uh, Martin realised that in the end because he, he said, "Oh, it's distorted." I said, "Well, yeah, it's, it might be distorted to you, but listen to it as a whole with the band." And that's what it is. That was a part of the major part of the sound. Geezer, myself, uh, the, the wall of sound, and Bill, of course. But um, but and he, he eventually got it and said, "Yeah, I, I get what you mean." And, and Tone, listening, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this, too, when you listen to the arrangements of the songs and how you guys did this and put the set list together, I think I counted uh, in listening to it back, which I had forgotten about, that the riff to the song Heaven and Hell comes back about two other times in two other songs within the structure of the set. Because I think you put a little bit of it in Sign of the Southern Cross and maybe even in Paranoid or something, it comes up a lot. So you guys really had some fun with arrangements live back then, didn't you? It was really good, uh, uh, as I say, with, with, with Ron, because it, it would encourage us to try different things, which was really good. And we'd be able to do that. We'd be able to we could actually pull songs out of the hat and do them instead of, you know, Ronnie was capable of doing all that catalogue. And that was a great thing. And we could we could fiddle around with them and put a bit of another song in or, and, and just a bit, bit of teasers coming in and out, just a bit of thought into the, the stage set, you know. And Ronnie was always involved in it. And it was, it was really a... A, a, a good band, really a tight band. We got really tight, and we'd encourage each other, which was great. You know, we'd come off, and I'd say to Ronnie, not just for the sake of it, well, you sounded great, and he'd say the same, and we'd all encourage each other. And that was a major part of it as well, to to push each other. And Ronnie'd he'd sort of say, well, you know, go and play a, play a longer solo or play this. And it was good to hear that, instead of hearing, oh, don't play a solo. You know, um, it was good to, to sort of be encouraged that way. And we do that with each other. Yeah, you do have a guitar solo on, on this record. I think that it's in within Heaven and Hell, actually, where you take a, a, a pretty extended standalone solo. When you listen back to this, when they were doing the remix, I don't know how long it had been since you listened to the record, but when you listen to your performance as a guitar player at that time, what are your thoughts about it? Because... I was thinking about this in listening to it. It was an interesting period. It was the early 80s. And, of course, times were changing. And you had Eddie Van Halen at his peak, who, of course, had just opened for you a few years earlier. And what he was doing set in the guitar world on on its head. And, uh, of course, you know, Ozzy had Randy Rhodes. Everybody was talking about him. You had all these 
types of hotshot guitar players coming up, the LA scene and all of that. Was some of that impacting you at all, or were you just kind of in your zone at that point and and weren't really paying attention much to it? I think you do get in your zone. I mean, I, since the seventies, I'd always played a solo. I mean, yes, I got carried away a bit too long sometimes, and I, you know, and, and listening back to things, bloody hell, that was that was a bit over the top, too long. But you get in that evening of playing, you just sort of get taken over with it and uh, and it doesn't seem as long as it is if you know what I mean and um, and we'd done it from the 70s and it was sort of the thing everybody done guitar solos and drum solos in the 70s and we sort of that was what we did and we we just never changed we went on and on and on and always done that and during last thing on on Live Evil, and again the remix is out now. It's uh, it's two discs. You get the original mix remastered, and then the new remix uh, on here. Um, did did you have any extra? Obviously, you didn't because it's not in the box set. But was there anything extra recorded, or were there any outtakes from this, or songs that didn't make it onto the original record that you maybe wanted to include here that you couldn't find? Do you recall any variances to the set or any extra material that was anywhere? No, I don't actually, Eddie. Um, basically, what was sent me was was that, and of uh, 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 what we picked out, really. I don't. We didn't have anything that was different, really. That was that we'd never used. Um, and, and there, because there's a point in the sh- in the show where Ronnie tells the audience that they are being recorded and filmed. Do Do you know now? Did that film? I don't recall. Did that actually come out? Did was there? Is there a full concert document from the Mob Rules on video? I I don't think so. I I really don't know that. I, you know what? I, I actually can't remember that. I can't remember if there is or there isn't. I, w- I, w- I would have thought there's not, otherwise it would have been out. Yeah, that's what I would think too. And that's why, again, I just listened to it earlier today, knowing I was going to talk to you, and I ran it through from top to bottom. And in one of the stage raps, Ronnie says to the audience, just so you know, you're being recorded and filmed for an upcoming release. And I that, you know, that took my interest a little bit because I said, hmm, maybe there's a... Uh, uh, maybe you know, maybe there's a video companion to this somewhere that we don't know about. Yeah, maybe there was, but we, maybe we scrapped it. I, I actually don't remember that at all, Eddie. Mm. Well, maybe that's may, may, tone. Maybe in a year or two, we'll be talking about the Blu-ray or DVD release that we both don't know exists <laughs> that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Check. It's, it's amazing that. There are so many things floating around. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, check your archives because you may have it and don't even know it. Could be somewhere in that big room of riffs that you have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't keep track of, you know, because we've been doing these box sets with with, um, Ozzy and all these different things of catching up what you did in them days and what, you know, talking about those tracks and then going in now to to the Sabbath with Dio. And um, which I was waiting for this period to come up because I thought I really, I really enjoyed the um, the Ronnie period. I must say, well, I enjoyed the Aussie period, but it was so different. It was a we had to challenge again when we had Ronnie. It was another challenge to start and establish ourselves again. 
and um, it was great because it was it was making us work hard and making us become a unit and, and work together. Um, and that's why we kept we we break up and reform again and break up and reform again because we had something very special. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and I miss it tremendously because you guys were just, it was so good right up to the very end, right up to the last album, The Devil You Know, which was just a phenomenal, phenomenal record. Um, with, with that in mind, it's a nice way to take a minute here to segue into some other things. Now, we sh- you, you referenced this before. There, the early Sabbath catalog with Ozzy, much of that has been reissued in box sets as well. And I would tell my audience, if you miss those, go check those out because there's some great extra content and fantastic packaging yeah. on those as well. Um, you, the, ironically, I don't know if you realize this, 31 years ago today, the Dehumanizer album came out, speaking of the Dio era. And, you know, that's a record. Yeah, I just saw that online. And that's a record, I got to tell you, Tone, that even as big of a fan as I am, I kind of... No, I want to say I missed out on it, but I didn't give it the time it probably should have had when it initially came out. And I had a whole new respect for that record ever since you guys came back together in 06. I remember talking to Ronnie and him saying to me, I said, well, what, what are you excited about being back with the guys? And he said, well, I can't wait to play some stuff from Dehumanizer. And I was like, well, that's an odd answer because those are not that's not the record people immediately go to with him. And him saying to me, no, stuff like After All and I and all these songs, he goes, they're really important songs that I think should get a second look. And when you guys went out and started playing again under the name Heaven and Hell and featured a lot of that, I thought it was fantastic. And I absolutely love that record now. Are are there any plans to do anything with that at some point? Oh, I'm sure there will, Eddie. Uh, uh, I mean, the idea is uh, as it's coming around, we're trying to get through stuff now and re look at look at albums that we've done <clears throat> and um, I'm sure it will come to, to that at some point yeah because that was an album when we did it it was a funny period in the music world for us right it, it was it, the, the sort of the music was sort of going somewhere else and I think that album as you say I think it got overlooked in a, a lot of ways and um, it's always a case that years later people go oh god I've just heard this album, uh, and they they attach themselves to it again. But at the time, it it was it took a while. You know, it didn't sort of grasp everybody like the first two albums we did with Ronnie, and it sort of got overlooked. But um, it's nice to be nice to revisit though all these again. Yeah, I mean, I, I the, that was the '90s, and that was a tough time for everybody with the music uh, climate shifting, but. I think that that album, I'm even guilty of it to some degree, not giving it the attention it deserved at the time. And going back in retrospect, there's some fantastic stuff on that album. You had said the last time we talked that there is a lot of later Sabbath stuff you were going to be looking at, including some of the Tony Martin era stuff. You had talked about trying to find the tapes for Born Again, the record with Ian Gillen. Um, Where are you at with any other reissues? Is all that still coming? Is that what you're working on these days? Yeah, there'll be stuff coming. <clears throat> I mean, again, you know, if I say something, people expect it then and then. But you can't do it that quick. You have to go through the the routine of, like, now we're on the Dio package. And then it'll move on and move on. And uh, the idea is, yes, the Tony Martin stuff 
will be coming out. And uh, I'm looking forward to that as well because there's a lot of great stuff on there that got overlooked and that people would, you know, that uh, wouldn't know of or didn't even know that there was an album out with Tony Martin, a lot of people. And it'd be nice to be able to show that again. And as far as, again, I said to you, and I've mentioned before about the Ian Gillan, the Born Again album. And when as soon as I mention it, people think, oh, I'm working straight on it. Well, no, because you have to get through the others first to get to that. And then uh, we have got the tapes now to, to Born Again. They're, really, they're being transferred from, from um, uh, reel to reel to digital so we can get a proper look at it. But again, it all takes time and it has to be done in its stages. Um, there's a, we're hoping to release all the stuff at some point. It's just a matter of going through it uh, bit by bit, really. And I know people get anxious and, well, where is it, where is it, where is it? I'd like to be like that. I'd like to say, well, yes, it's here, it's here. <laughs> but it <laughs> just takes time, you know, to, 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 to release it. You can, you've got to release it in stages. Well, if you're if we're looking at this chronologically, and of course I don't want to forget about the record with Glenn, uh, Seventh Star, because that's a phenomenal uh, record as well. But if we're going chronologically, you've you so now Live Evil is out. The next one would be Born Again in the lineage. So you're saying that's fantastic news to hear that you found the tapes because I knew that was an issue for a while. So that means you can, cause that, cause the mix on that album was always something that was up to a lot of debate. So what, what would, can you tell people what you'd like to do to born again now that you've got the tapes? Well, I mean, when it was originally recorded, it was really set in the studio. It sounded great. We loved it. We went on tour then, and somehow the sound got muffled. And whether it was from the press in or what, I don't know. But I'd like to look look at that. I mean, I've, I have heard when I've played the, the Born Again album again, there's parts where I go, oh, that should have been louder, that should have been, this should have been more prominent and, and drums or whatever it may have been. There's things that really need adjusting on it because there's some really good songs on that album too. Uh, but it but it would be nice to give it an up to date quality now, you know, of what you can do now and, and be able to listen to it differently. Uh, because obviously, when you're involved with this stuff at the time, you're really nothing but it, and you and and then you leave it into somebody else's hands, like we did with that. Off we went on tour come back and heard it and oh my god what happened um we don't want that to happen i want to be able to pull the tapes out again and really give it a good listen to and see what we need to adjust and change and um and, and make it a better sounding album mm. well tone i think it's great that you're looking after all these reissues it's it's not all that dissimilar to what Jimmy Page did with the Zeppelin catalog after he had scaled back from playing and putting everything out in, in, in the best of ways. And are, are you, are you, is that pretty much the, the phase that you're in, in your life right now is kind of looking after the catalog and, and being involved in these reissues. Uh, do you oh. miss playing live? Do you hope to go out and play live again in any capacity or is it really more about looking after the catalog at this point? Well, I mean, the catalogue is just floating along and I'm doing that uh, 
when we can, when they come up, when the time comes and, and we do it. But I'm doing, I'm doing more stuff now than I've ever done. Um, I mean, I'm involved, I've been doing a, a documentary at the moment, uh, which is going to be out in September, I think. And I can't say too much about that at the moment, but... Um, is it on Sabbath? Know. Can you say that? It's about... It, it, it will be about... It's about it's about riffs, actually, about writing oh. riffs and stuff. And um, and uh, and also, I've been working with the... Uh, I don't know if you know, we're doing a Black Sabbath ballet with the Royal Ballet um, in England here. Uh, so I've been working with them, uh, with the music, because they're, they're going to orchestrate it and, and, and all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's really something very different uh, yeah. for me and for us, really. Um, so that's been, you know, all these things you're involved with now, that, that's been really interesting. And I, I've done a couple of, obviously I've played a couple of things on Ozzy's new, uh, you know, latest right. album. And uh, it's all been it's all been good. Um, I'm I'm writing myself as well. I'm I've got quite a bit of you know a few songs or riffs and all put together now. I've just got to decide whether I'm going to have a singer who's going to sing or what. I don't know yet. But it's all been exciting. It, I, and the thing is, Eddie, it's there's no rush for it. I'm doing it as we go on. And I'm enjoying doing it. It's been good to be able to sit down and put these riffs together and put make them into whatever they're going to be. I mean, they're in a format of a of a song, but they could be instrumental. It could be anything at the moment. And that's the exciting thing. I don't know where else to go with them. But I've also been involved with other stuff like my perfume. I got this <laughs> a perfume. Out oh, that's before. right. We we spoke yeah. about that. You we had you on for yeah. that. How's that going? Very, very well. It went really well. It's their top five product at the moment. So it's been going extremely well. And we will be doing a, a, another one. So that's all these different things that's been going on. Um, because it was an interest, another interest that I had. I always liked, you know, collecting um, different aftershaves and perfumes over the years of touring, you know, when I'm in different countries. Oh, yeah, that's nice. I'll, I'll get that. And I collect them and and to have the opportunity when they approached me to to, to do my own perfume, I, I thought that's brilliant. And they're a real top luxury um, perfume company in Italy. Yeah, we had. I remember we. I had you on to talk about that, and we discussed it when that had just been announced because there was a, a music companion to that too, right? Didn't you do a, a song or something around that time? Yes, we did. Uh, we did an instrumental called, and it's called Scent of Dark. And um, yes. Sergio, the owner of the company, also played guitar up with me on it. And we've become really close friends. I mean, I'm seeing him. He's coming over from Italy on Monday to see me. And, um, yeah, we we do. We're in contact all the time now. And it's it's really good. It's all these different things that's, that's become in my life really, you know, uh, ahead i'm enjoying it being able to play music do these other things has been been amazing and i do miss playing live of course yeah i miss seeing the the audience and and i was doing at one time these talks going out doing uh, uh, talking about your life really 
and of course, the, the, and I had a lot of uh, shows booked, certainly in Europe, you know, G Germany, Italy, Belgium, all around Europe. And of course, the COVID hit, and it just nailed it on the head. It had to stop because you, you couldn't do that then. So that was something else I enjoyed because I was talking to an audience and being involved, and there were fans asking questions and you could answer it was that was good and that was contact for me um now not being able to not being out playing live it's uh, i do miss it but I've, I've not written that off i mean i'd uh, i did the thing with ozzy we'd done the commonwealth games right in england i'd done the opening for the commonwealth games on my own with uh, an orchestra and whatnot and then and then we closed the show, uh, Ozzy and myself, which was uh, really, really good. I, I just read that they named they in today in the press. It said that the yeah. the bull or something was named after Ozzy. <laughs> well, the <laughs> did, did you hear that? that? In the Commonwealth Games, which is a huge, massive mechanical thing, they they were going to pull it to pieces, and somebody said, well, "Why don't you put it in Birmingham into a?" as an iconic thing, you know. And then they they uh, they repaired the thing and made it more weatherproof, if you like, and then uh, put out to see what they'd call it. And um, so people have sent suggestions in, and of course it, they've, they've picked, the, picked Aussie as the... Uh, <laughs> to call it Aussie. <laughs> so yeah, they, I thought... I thought that was funny. Tone, a couple more things. I won't keep you much longer. I, I promise. I just, uh, oh, just so no much problem. in my, no so much in my head here. When, when you, sp when you speak, uh, speaking of Ozzy, you know, he's announced to play. I know he's been trying to play for the longest time and do a show and he's had all these setbacks and I hope he's okay, but he's announced to play a festival here in the U S at the, in a few months actually. And you know, nobody's quite sure, you know, what, and if he's actually going to be able to do this because of these uh, problems that he's had. But I got to tell you this, and I, I don't know what you can say about this, but when that festival was about to be announced, it's called Power Trip. Everybody was saying that it was going to end up being a Sabbath show. And then when it got announced, it was announced as Ozzy as a solo show. Was that ever on your radar? Was there talk of Sabbath ever doing a show? Yes, there was. Yeah. Um, but I didn't at that point. I, I, it's hard because Ozzy's been going through a lot of stuff uh, lately, and he's, he's, you know, he's, a, he's in hospital and out of hospital, and he's he's really been fighting it. He really wants to get out there, but it's 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 in my in my mind, it's it's very difficult to sort of say yes and and think. I've got to think of the people in the band as well. I've got to think of of, of Ozzy if he's, he's going to be all right to do a show and. And whatever, so uh, I wasn't that comfortable with it, and uh, but I I didn't know Ozzy would go, <laughs> we'd be doing it on his own. But it's great. I hope he can do it, and that'd be really good. And he, he really wants to do it, and he's really trying to pull to get himself back. I mean, he's had to go through such a lot of hard stuff lately. Um, it's, it's such a shame, really. But uh, he's still fighting there. So it, it was true that initially that was going to be a Sabbath day, but it sounds like you were just uneasy about uh, about the circumstances and about his condition, and that he ended up just taking it as a solo show. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I mean we hadn't uh, we hadn't approached 
uh, the others as far as uh, doing it. I mean, they might have said no, you know, but it didn't get much further than than me really. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's the way it is. And uh, if you're going to go out, I want to do a, a good show. I want to go and go out on the top and, and do it. I don't want to just go and slap something together, you know. And I'm not saying it would have been, but it could have been difficult. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. And I think, and that's exactly some of the concerns that the fans are asking those questions to me every day here on the radio. I said, I, I, I don't know. I can't speak for his condition. I don't know if he's actually going to be able to do this or not and do it in a respectful way and, and, and be able to pull it off. So uh, the clock is ticking. I guess we'll find out. But, you know, that's telling in and of itself that you considered it because it. you had always said when Sabbath ended that uh, you were done as far as large-scale touring but if the if there was a special opportunity, you wouldn't rule out playing a song or even a show. And it sounds like if if the things were aligned properly, that that's still pretty much the case, given that you would you would consider actually doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, I mean, I've certainly done the Commonwealth Games uh, with Aussie, and um, and and that sort of happened. But to do a, a full show, you, you've got to make sure everybody's in good shape because people are going to remember you by that show yeah and I, I, I don't want a, a reputation to go down all, all of a sudden you know if something goes wrong or somebody can't make it we have to cancel what or whatever because I don't know how everybody's health is I don't know how Bill's feeling these days and um, you just don't know so I, I, I'd like to be sure if you're going to do anything that's got to be got to be good or not bother you know and, and and one thing i want to go back to you mentioned the sabbath ballet i think that is beyond fascinating because <laughs> i mean some of the heaviest music ever made and some of the greatest riffs that you created ever made and did you ever in your wildest dreams tony to think that you know, i don't know what songs they're using but something like war pigs or the writ or sabbath bloody sabbath could end up being a ballet. I mean, I you, there's no way you could have ever expected that. <laughs> no, not at all. Never. I mean, we were, when we were approached by the ballet company and, and Carlos Acosta, who's a very famous international star, you know, ballet star, um, he's the head of it. And he's been a fan since he lived in Cuba. And he wanted to... It's, this has always been his dream to do it. And when he approached me about doing it, um, I thought, God, how are you going to do that, you know? Because, like, you're thinking, well, God, Sabbath and ballet, mm. <laughs> didn't get more opposite, you know. But he explained it, and, and we he was confident with it, and, and he brought my confidence into it, and I thought, this is good. And we worked together on it, and I worked with the... the, uh, the and the guy I've been working with, he, he's, he's a, um, a classical... Um, producer and whatever uh, arranger and it's it was really and he's over the moon to, to, to be able to work together because it's something very different for him and he came over to my studio and he, he, he played me the ideas of what they're thinking of doing and, and are they playing it right they're so conscientious of getting the, the right timing and the right pullbacks on the on the notes and um really really good and they're really working hard at it 
on the music side and the ballet side. I mean, I went to watch a couple of the the rehearsals of the actual dancers, uh, and it's that amazing. I mean, they're so so good. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a you know a success for them, and um, it's going to be out in it's going to be out in September. But the idea is we're going to, they're going to do I think ten shows here in Birmingham, and then London, and then somewhere else in England, and then to they hopefully want to go into the bigger arenas and also tour the world. So we'll see what what comes of it, but. The feedback at the moment, the show's sold out just like that. So, uh, and they are so excited about it, the actual ballet company. And I am. It, it, it's such a, a great thing to be involved with because it's different. And it hasn't been done before. And um, so, yeah. <laughs> they always say a, a great song is a great song. And if it's truly a great song, you can do anything with it. You can make it acoustic. You could do anything and uh i but sabbath and ballet that is not something i'd ever have thought when i got the we sold our souls for rock and roll album as a kid and listened to all those songs that i ever would have thought uh, it would have made it would have made my parents approve at the time tone if i would have said you know this stuff's going to be a ballet one day yeah you know what as well i said to the ballet company uh, the, the colors of costa i said you know by putting this on you're not going to get everybody who's sitting there clapping <laughs> like to do with a regular Swan Lake. He went, I oh, know, I'm really excited, I want to see that. <laughs> I said, they're going to be, you know, jumping up and singing with it. He went, oh, great, great. So they're really enthusiastic <laughs> about it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, it's amazing how they're, they're amalgamating the, the tunes with it as well, you know, from going in from one to another and then a bit of orchestration and something else and then back into a song. It's really good. It's uh, it's really interesting. Um so, yeah, it's uh, another string to our bow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And the perfume, uh, Cologne, is it available in America for the audience listening in the U.S. right now? Is there a place they can go to order it? Yes, I think, uh, I think um, I don't know if it's Saks uh, that's uh, a stock it. And over, uh, <clears throat> I know over here, Harrods in London do it. And it's the big stores. It's not. It's not one of these you go out and, where you buy brute and all this stuff, it's it's it's, it's a top class um, company. So the uh, the packaging and everything is absolutely top notch. Uh, but it's not cheap. Um, but it's up there with the with the big brands. And it, but it's I don't know who else is stuck in it in America. I'm I'm not. I don't deal with that. That's down to the perfume right. company. But I think a, a company like Saks and. Uh, those sort of companies uh, would um, would do it. And finally, uh, Geezer's over there now because I know he's making the rounds for his book. I may see him next week, actually, if he gets back to the states. But did you get a chance to see him at all? No, no. I thought he, he might have uh, given me a call, but I, I mean, I know he's. I know what it's like doing those book tours. It's it's pretty hectic, and they don't give you much breathing space. You know, you're all right from one one city to the next. Um, but no, I was hoping to see him. And again, I haven't had much time anyway because I've been really busy here, um, which I'm amazed at. You know, Eddie. I thought, well, after we finished touring, I thought, well, that's that's it now. I can do this <laughs> and do that. And uh, no, it hasn't happened. But I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying doing what we're doing, and 
and being involved in the music is great for me. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's I'm, funny. You th- you think you're going to wind down as you get older. I know. I, I was just m- mentioning this real quick to you. If if you recall, there was I did a party for the anniversary of my radio show in Times Square in New York, and you and Ronnie and Geezer and Vinny came, and Judas Priest played. It was at the Hard Rock in Times Square. I have a phenomenal yeah. picture of you guys coming in and with me, and and it's something I'll never forget. If you can believe this, Tony, that was 15 years ago because this year is my 40th anniversary doing radio. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It just flies by. You know, you can't. And I thought I was going to be slowing down, and I, you know, but I'm I'm lucky. I mean, I feel blessed to have all the opportunities, and I guess that's what comes. And you know, after you build whatever you build, that there's still you know that that those opportunities there. So in the end, I think it's it, it keeps us young and active and still engaged. Absolutely. I mean, it's what you do, and and then a lot of things come off that. You do a, a good job, and you get rewards. People come back and want you to do this. I mean, you you you've been top notch ever since. You know. I mean, you. That's why that's why you're still going because you're very good at what you do, and you oh, have a thank great you. show, and you've got great audience. I mean, it's uh, it's what you do, and you do a great job of it. Oh, thank you. I, I I appreciate that very much. Coming from you, that means a lot, my friend. I, I do appreciate it. Last and most important thing, how is your health? Um, again, you know, I'm up and down. I get uh, I go for my check. In fact, I was there the day before yesterday, just getting different checks again. Uh, it, it's it's like any old person <laughs> you have problems, <laughs> <laughs> but no, all in all, it's been it's been pretty good. Certainly, as far as the the cancer side of it has been, right? Dare I say, good. Um, you know, I get other ailments like your hands ache and feet and things like uh, that. We all have that. All things that happen. You know, that yeah. Happen. And, uh, but apart from that, it's, it's it's good. And I think doing what I'm doing uh, keeps me up. I don't sit at home just sitting on the couch. I'm out and about doing stuff, and uh, and it's good. It keeps you motivated. Keeps you moving. The, the cancer, is it the type of thing that they think they can get into remission? Or is it, you know, I was speaking to Vivian Campbell, similar thing, and he was telling me it's really just for him a management thing and they can keep it under control. Similar situation there, or do they feel they could actually really knock it out for you? Well, it's it's it, it, it's sort of that. It, it's it keep it under control. It's it's one of the, so it's the same thing as, as Viv's got. Um, <clears throat> they... Um, they check your immune system all the time, make sure mm. you, you keep it up, and uh, have B12 shots, and and just try and eat a bit better, and, mm. and, and try and look after your health a bit, a bit more. You know that that was that's why really I had to stop these major tours because they were long tours and late night tours. You know, you, by the time you'd finished playing, especially when we were in the states. And we'd have a base, say, in New York for 10 days. And we'd have our own plane and fly out to different places and come back. And by the time we get back to the hotel, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. Mm. And, and and these late nights were were sort of were affecting me a bit. And my oncologist said, you know, you shouldn't really be flying as much and doing this this amount of, of, of work. Um, but... Um, so that's sort of why it came to the end of uh, me touring for 18 months. But, uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved touring. I loved playing. I loved seeing the audience. And I, I still want to get out and play. 
but I won't be able to do major tours like that. I mean, as I said before, maybe uh, a week or two or whatever, but it's hard to do that because you have the crews at work that that you have top-notch crews. You can't expect them to just do two weeks. They want to get out and do a year's tour, you know. But uh, but well, no, I, I, I will be going out, I suppose, doing something along the line. I've been asked to do various things, and, and we'll see what happens. Well, I look forward to all of it. Uh, you should give your our mutual buddy Glenn Hughes a call. He's at, at 73 or 74. He's still like the Energizer out there in multiple bands, still singing everything incredibly. Oh, he, he's unbelievable, isn't he? I mean, he, <laughs> you I could do it. A, he's in there. I'm not sure. Uh, he's, he's doing. He's doing well. He's he left that band Dead Daisies. Now he's doing his own thing, and he's doing the 50th anniversary of Deep Purple Burn and running around singing that. And he just did a Black Country Communion album. And I mean, I can't keep up with him. I mean, it's amazing. He's he's a he's a force of nature. That guy. Oh, he's unbelievable. And he's you know what? He's one of the few singers that you can that he can get those high notes as well at his age. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, he's got such a powerful voice. He's such a great singer. And he, he's so energetic as well, you know. And he, he loves what he does, and that's brilliant. He really he really does enjoy it. And I think when you, you're that much involved and enjoy it that much, you give it everything. Like, as I said, with Ronnie, same thing. Yeah. He loved it. He loved it. And he always give it his best. And that's the only way you should be, really. Yeah, that Fused album you and Glenn did is still a favorite of mine. There's some great, great stuff on there. Tony, I, I could, I don't want to keep you much longer. I'm, I appreciate you giving me so much time here. I know it's later there in, in England. Um, it's always a great pleasure to talk to you. I want to remind everybody, uh, the Live Evil Super Deluxe Remix Reissue Box Set CD and Vinyl is available now, so go check it out, and uh, it'll take you back to the early 80s and some great times and some great music. And you know where to get me, Tony. Anything I can do for you, anything uh, you want to put the word out about, uh, don't hesitate, and enjoy uh, enjoy the time there at the beach with your family, hopefully. I hope you uh, you have a good, uh, a good time there and, and get some good weather. Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate it, mate. You look after yourself and love to all the fans out there. I miss you. All right. Thank you, Tone. God bless, mate. Well, just a total surreal moment for me still when I can talk to a guy like that, even though I know him quite well after all these years. I always do a good job keeping it internalized, but when it comes to the 70s guys that I grew up with, that is sacred stuff. Tony Iommi for an hour on the podcast. Again, courtesy of my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, which is live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, Faction Talk 103, or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Please be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. Keep up with everything I have going on and everything going on in the world of rock. If you happen to be in the area of Corning, California, I'll see you guys this coming Sunday as I'll be hosting the 80s Rock Invasion at the Rolling Hills Casino with Great White, Slaughter, Vixen, and Quiet Riot. Hope to see you there if you're in that area of the U.S. this coming Sunday. Otherwise, I'll catch you hopefully on the radio every day on 103 or, of course, back here next Thursday for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan-favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.